if you've missed three Sundays, you wouldn't know this, but a, uh, Ian Cron, a friend of mine from, uh, actually a friend of many of ours here uh, from uh, Connecticut, has been doing Advent Sunday messages for us, called me yesterday and said, dude, I don't know if I can make it. I called him a few names, you know, we talked, we talked to each other like brothers in Christ, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and no, he had a, in, in all seriousness, he had, he's also a musician, so, and those of you who've been here know, he, he, a couple times he, like, plays a song after he speaks that will not happen today, okay, just so you know, I'm, I'd like it to happen, I'll do it, but they won't let me, but, um, and you wouldn't want that, but anyway, uh, so, and he was in, actually, he was in a Christmas concert last night, late in Connecticut, or close to Connecticut, and so uh, he said, look, can you do my message? And I'm like, I've never done that before, but send it to me. So I got it yesterday afternoon, and, and uh, you know, it, it's really good, and he doesn't always speak like this, but he did, he said, he's got five points, and that's, I like, that's what I like, as you know, if you hear me speak, that's why I, I like to have some points, boom, 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 um, it's kind of the way I think, and so this particular message just happened to be that way, so Basically, this is his message. Now, I've changed a few things, obviously, made it personal as much as I could to me. I loved his concepts, all five concepts I loved, because we're talking in this fourth Sunday of Advent about the Magi. So um, it's, um, and it's just, it's just kind of cool. And I don't know that I would have thought of taking this particular slant, but um, I like the way he did that. So, and I've never really done anything like this. Years and years ago, I did a series of messages not here, in another church that I was in, where I went and did, uh, I went through a lot of the great old preachers of the 1700s and 1800s, and I would just give a little blurb, a little bio on each one, and then I'd just, and I'd say, this is one of his messages. And I had just kind of outlined it and figured it out and how I could do it in my own style. And, uh, and it was kind of fun. So that's the only thing like this that I've ever done. So, and I'll, I'll, I've added some things, and I'll try to be true to what he uh, intended, and we'll tell you when I deviate a little bit. All right? But the, the reading for today for this fourth Sunday of Advent, is Matthew chapter 2. And it has to do, of course, with the Magi, the, the kings, the three kings. And of course, um, if you study these things, you know we don't know that there's really... We're going to say for our argument's sake, we'll probably say three. We don't know that for sure. That's not in the Bible, but that's okay. It's a nice, it's a nice, nice round number. Well, I don't know if it's a round number, but anyway, it's just a nice number. So uh, um, anyway, here we go. Matthew 2, verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chiefs, all of the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, He asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. I'm sure somebody said, dude, don't you ever read the Old Testament? I don't know. Uh, Anyway, in Jerusalem, in Judea, they replied, and here is verse 6. But you, brethren, in the land of Judah, quoting now from uh, Old Testament prophet Isaiah, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. It's one of the prophecies, several hundred years before Christ was born. Verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly, found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. 
he sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now, if we had sound effects and if it was like one of those, you know, theaters where you had like organ music and stuff, about this time you would hear, da-da-dum-dum. He doesn't want to worship Jesus. King Herod's threatened. I'm going to deviate here just for a moment from, for, just because I love the history here. Um, Herod's not supposed to be king. Herod had no, no, uh, no reason to be the king. He didn't have any, he's not part of the family of David. He had no you know, inherent right to the kingship. He was just a bad guy and uh, basically got his way there just through manipulation and murder and, and, and many, many different other ways. So King Herod's not feeling real secure about his position. And somebody comes along and says, oh, there's a new king born or going to be born in, 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 the, in the town of Bethlehem, David's town, from the family of David. And Herod's like, oh, my gosh, a threat. So Herod, on an, a number of different levels, obviously wants baby Jesus, Jesus that's to be born. He wants him dead because he sees him as a threat. And of course, at that time when we talk about he's going to be the, the prince of peace, you know, and the, and the ruler and, 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 and the king, you know, obviously the, the, the prophets are, are meaning one thing, but at that time people are thinking he's going to take over the kingdom. He's going to be a political leader. He's going to be, he's going to be the, great, the great one. You know, he's going to, he's going to take over this land and, and heal and all this. And of course, God meant something much bigger than that. Uh, than just a political kingdom. So anyway, that's what's going on here with Herod and, and what's happening with, with him. Verse 9, uh, back to the Magi. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of, of gold and of incense and of myrrh. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So, let's go back. And I remember um, when we started this series, and Ian was speaking, uh, and he talked about this, this whole thing, this journey to the manger. And uh, I remember three weeks ago when he talked about a pilgrim, and I remember it vividly because it just really grabbed my attention. Uh, the word pilgrim, just to remind you, if you weren't here possibly, or if you were here and need reminded. Um, the word pilgrim comes from a Latin word, peregrinus. Here's the part that caught my attention at the time and still does. That word from the Latin means a person wandering the earth in search of a spiritual homeland. I like that. I can relate to that. A person wandering the earth in search of a spiritual homeland. That's a pilgrim. I'm a pilgrim. You're a pilgrim. We're all pilgrims. And, uh, you know, that's just great. So a pilgrim is someone who finds him or, him or herself so hungry for God that they set out on a quest to figure out who he is and what it means to have a relationship with him, this, this God, and so forth. Um, and, and this journey, this particular journey to the manger that these of the Magi, which are, are, are arguably three or however many, they're... they're some of our best-known pilgrims in the Bible as they set out on this quest 
um, um, to find out more of who this God is. Now, what about the star? Because this is a process, and we know we're not sure exactly when. Listen, I, I hate to tell you this, but I mean, it probably didn't happen on Christmas Eve when Jesus was born. Uh, the Magi probably didn't show up because they're following a star. They're coming from the area of Babylon. Uh, just to talk a little bit about who the Magi are, they they were um, they were uh, scholars and philosophers. They studied the skies regularly to look at the stars to see if there was something, both for scientific research and for anything significant. So this star appears, and 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 they notice this, and 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 you know that's. Let me just throw this in real quick because it's something that it, that I just read recently that that uh, I'm deviating here again from Ian's notes, but um, but heck, I deviate from my own notes so I can do that. Um, the whole thing now there, there was this, there was this thing in the Old Testament called the Shekinah glory. Now the Shekinah glory was this cloud that the, the children of Israel, when they were on this, this they were on this forty year wandering journey through Sinai, as when they came out of Egypt before they were to go to the Promised Land. They were being led every day by this, by this cloud, which was called the Shekinah glory, glory of God. Now, some scholars believe, and I think it's kind of cool to think about this, that very possibly this was another visible, uh, 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 visible th- uh, a view, basically, of the Shekinah glory, the star that was God himself showing the Magi, these guys on this pilgrimage, here is the baby Jesus, the Son of God. How, whatever it was, and however, whatever it happened, it's pretty amazing. And it probably happened months, maybe years after, maybe two or three years, because a different word here is used for, he's not the baby Jesus when you look back at some of the other passages. Um, he's, uh, he's a child at this point. So the Magi come, and they, they've been on this journey for a long time. By the way, the journey, you know how long it was, basically, from where they were? A thousand miles now think about that on a, on a camel or on a horse or walking. I did the math. I've, I'm thinking, well, that's probably from here. My, my family lives near Dayton, Ohio. That, that's probably around Dayton, Ohio. I never keep track how far it is. You know how far a thousand miles are from, from Short Hills or from Summit? Right here. I did it from here. Davenport, Iowa. I've been to Davenport, Iowa. Let me just tell you. Um, that's all. That's, I was there a week once for one night. But anyway... Um, let me tell you, let me tell you, you know, think about this. Think about no, no, no interstate highways. Think about no state roads. Think about only gravelly, nasty paths uh, along the way with robbers and road, roadmen, people who are going to, you know, and seeing all this, this, this entourage of, of pretty wealthy guys, three or four or five or however many there were, doing this pilgrimage. So we're talking, we're talking 15 to 20 miles a day. So you, you can figure the math out on that. And, uh, I mean, this is a pretty, pretty decent-sized pilgrimage. These guys were serious. They were serious about this. That's an important point. I'll come back to that in just a moment. So let me give you these um, five very simple things. First lesson that we learned from these pilgrims, these, these magi pilgrims, was, was that they were attentive looking up in the sky, looking at stars. They were attentive. And, and the exhortation that I would agree with that uh, Ian has is just to be vigilant. Look for indications in your life that God is specifically calling out to you, maybe to have a relationship with him, 
maybe to, to, to grow in your faith in a deeper way in 2010 with him. Look for that. And here's the thing. I'm going to read, I'm going to read exactly his words um, because I think it's worth reading. And uh, I, I think it's, it's just, just listen. These are Ian's words. Here's a sign or a clue that God's saying it's time to set out on a pilgrimage towards figuring out this faith deal. It's not a star in the night sky. It's what I call, I like this quote, life raft demolition. Life raft demolition. The Bible tells us that all human beings like to build life rafts. These life rafts are things that we build our lives on other than God. Might be a career, might be children, might be money, might be the pursuit of success, might be your good looks, might be a a relationship with somebody else or several other people. Uh, Another word that we might use, still using his words here, another word that we might use for these lifeboats is idols, just idols. We love our rafts. Still, still using Ian's words here, watch this. We, we, we get to put on our, our white captain's uniforms, our hats, our epaulets, our wh- little whistle, walk around barking orders at people. Might look silly, but we get to be in charge of our ref. Epaulets. What's epaulets? Oh, you're not supposed to do that. Um, I was going to see who knew. I had to look it up. Epaulets is these things you're wearing is like a part of a uniform. Maybe you're, maybe it's a maybe it's a soldier's uniform. Maybe it's a uh, you know like a guy's got his own boat and he's got a little captain's captain's jacket and he has these little things on the corner on the uh, on the shoulders and uh, epaulets. I had to. I told him I said I got to look up your words, man. So uh, anyway, here's, don't miss the point here. Um, we have a lot of what we call life's rafts or idols in our lives. Um, you build your life on, on your career. Well, let me just say this. I know some people that's not working really, really well for them right now. Uh, you build your life on money. I know more people that that's not really working really well for them right now. Um, you build your life on your kids. And then you have an empty nest. And then you've got to figure out what the heck you're going to do. Um, you build your life on a relationship, and then, then rejection might hit. And the list goes on. Let's go back to Ian's words here. Does God up, upend your life raft because he's a sadist? No, actually, it's an act of love. He wants us to see how unreliable our little boats are so that we'll see the wisdom of climbing on board his very large, unsinkable ship. See, and this is the area I'm deviating here. Let, let me just say this. It, it is... Isn't it amazing how it seems as though God has to, like, upset our boat sometimes, our raft, our little idol, to really get our attention? Why can't it be that I, why can't it be it's the end of 2009, man, we've had a good year. Man, everything it just just happened this year. Things were great. I, it, it just, you know, I got more money in the bank than I've ever had. My kids are great. Wife's great, husband's great, whatever. And, and wow, I'm just so humbled. I want to just, you know, why can't we just kind of stop and rest? Why does, it have to, why, do our, why does our little apple cart have to get upset, our little life raft, have to get upset for God to get our attention? I don't know, but that seems to be what has to happen uh, in my experience, both personally and with friends. 
And, and, and they are, I love the way he said this, they are acts of love. I mean, change is hard, you know, sometimes. Sometimes change really sucks. Sorry, it's Christmas. Change really stinks sometimes. And um, kids, don't, never mind. <laughs> Talk to your parents, okay? Um, be attentive. Be attentive. God may be working in your life right now in some different ways that you hadn't thought about. Be, be, just, just be attentive to that. Second point, be ready to move. Just move. You say, you mean like logistically move? Well, maybe, but that's not what I'm talking about here. Here's the thing. The Magi see the star in the east. They recognize it's a sign from God calling them to set out on a pilgrimage uh, towards faith. And what do they do next? They start. They move. You know, so that's the lesson here. One of the lessons, certainly, from the Magi is that sometimes God wants us to get moving on that pilgrimage. Now, now, what does that mean for me? You know, um, that's that for some people, for some people, that may be, you know what, this is the year that I'm going to stop and try to figure out exactly what I believe, or as best as I can. I'm tired of messing around. I'm going to get serious about this. You know, C.S. Lewis said this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. If true, it is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. This is serious stuff. This is very serious stuff. I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about eternity. We're talking about the rest of your life. We're talking about life value. And, and so when we talk about move, maybe, maybe that means for some, I've got to figure out where I am on this thing. I got, I got to really get serious about this. For some, that may mean, look, I know where I am. I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ, but I really need to. I really need to turn it up a notch, and get and really get a little more well grounded in my faith. Uh, maybe I need to read some stuff. Maybe I need to just you know get with uh, certain people or or, or or study something or whatever. Maybe maybe that's uh, getting involved with some of the things that we we don't have a lot. We have a few things that are that are pretty good. Our our uh, Sunday at ten fifteen classes that we have not this week and or next or our Thursday evening group, which is just uh, always just an amazing time of of uh, expansion of the mind and thinking and 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 getting to know other folks that can might be in the same place or at least can encourage you wherever you are. So, so move. You've got to go. got to get moving, just like the, just like the Magi did. Um, pretty important stuff. So be attentive. Be ready, to, be ready to go. Move. Do something, you know. Move on with this thing. Third concept here that he brings out from the Magi is, is just expect opposition. Uh, obviously, we got, I told you about King Herod and all his stuff going on. King Herod's going to be, I mean, you know, the, the Magi, for whatever reason, they weren't like a lot of men. They stopped and they asked directions. Hey, we hear that there's going to be a Messiah born. Ask King Herod. And King Herod says, hey, come back and tell me. You know, of course, he had, he had other motives. And he, they, he was definitely opposition to them. One of the points that we can take from this, and I think it, 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 Ian brings it out very well here, is that... There will be opposition if you seek to, to, to go grow in your faith. This is not very sophisticated. And uh, I was reading through, through uh, Ian's notes on this, and I, I don't know if I would, have, I would have said this, but I'm going to. He tried to be true to some degree to, to his, uh, his notes. He said, the point is that sometimes we have that opposition, and sometimes that might be from another force. Here's the issue. It's really not that hard 
to believe, if you believe in, in God, it, it shouldn't be too much of a stretch for you to believe, well, there's also a, a, a devil or Satan, an opponent. And when you think about that, there, there is some opposition that gets thrown into our way in terms of what we're trying to do in our lives. There is, and, and he is real. And, and I do believe that. And I don't talk a lot about that, but I mean, it's, it's, it, it's very clearly in the Bible. And um, there's a great book, and I would encourage you to put it part on your reading list by C.S. Lewis called um, Screwtape Letters. The Screwtape Letters. And in this particular book, it's fiction. But C.S. Lewis t- writes this book, has a series of letters from Screwtape, to, he's a senior demon, to the junior demon, Wormwood. Fascinating stuff. And he talks about, oh, you know, do this for your client. Do this. Try to, try to get him really confused, you know. Try to get him depressed. Fascinating, uh, fascinating book. Uh, and it really gives this grant, not Bible, and, and it's a novel, but it gives you some insight into there is some other forces at work here. And if I'm going to be one who's going to grow in my faith, I need to understand there will be some opposition. Sometimes that opposition will just be from, from friends and family. And sometimes that comes out of jealousy because they see you growing a little deeper, and they're not. And then insecurity steps in, and, and all kinds of weird stuff happens. But um, expect that, because just like the Magi, we're going to have some of that opposition in our lives. Fourth thing that I want you to see. The Magi, you know I was going to talk about this, brought gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Might be why we why we have the urban legend of that they were three kings, you know, or maybe it's because of the song "We Three Kings." I don't know exactly, but it's not in the Bible. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There might have been three. There might have been two. There might have been five. Um, all that matters is there were magi, and, and they were pretty uh, pretty incredible people, and they they brought their best gold. We believe to symbolize just the purity and the precious uh, the preciousness of, of who Christ is. Frankincense, we believe, because it was significant, because it was, uh, it was used as incense during worship. Myrrh, which was used as an embalming type of thing, maybe to symbolize that Christ would die and then be raised from the dead. Um, but they brought their best. The correlation for me and you is we bring our best to Christ. That's who we are. You say, well, I'm not very much. Yeah, but you're precious. You're valuable in God's sight. And we bring our we our, we bring our our lives. I have a I have a saying in my basement, in my man cave. I call it. I, I don't know why I call it that because there are women in there all the time. I mean, at least one. But um, <laughs> gotta be careful what you say, don't you? Um, <laughs> my wife, my daughter, my granddaughter. Okay. Um, anyway, I, I have a desk there. I don't look forward to that clip getting taken out of context. Um, my, I have a desk down there, and, and, um, and I have above the desk, uh, I, I had even forgotten I had it up there. It's a, it's a, a quote from Jim Elliott, missionary who, who lost his life in, in, while trying to spread the gospel in the ni- late 1950s. And I had a friend recently over to watch a football game, and he later texted me to say, tell me what that quote was again, and he, he, he could only... He, he can only remember part of it. The quote is this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep 
to gain what he cannot lose. If you think about that, that's giving your life to Christ. And Elliot's point was, you know, fool, if you give what you cannot keep, you can't keep your life anyway. Trust me on that. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it, okay? I'm 59 years old. I work out four times a week very hard, but, I, but, I, but I, I, I shoveled snow this morning, and I'm about to freaking die. I want you to know that right now. My back hurts. My shoulders hurt. I hurt all over right now. But I'm here, I'm here for you, baby. Um, you cannot keep your life. You know that. Or maybe you really haven't dealt with that yet. You cannot. And he is no fool who gains, you know, who gives what he cannot keep, your life, to gain what you cannot lose, which is eternal standing, acceptance with Christ. You bring your, you bring your life. As the Magi, gold, frankincense, they brought what they had, the most valuable stuff, as well as their lives. We give our best, which is our lives, to Christ. Great symbol. Great symbol. Last thing. Last, last thing is, is they changed. Changed lives. Here's what I mean by that. They went home another way. Now, granted, God appeared to them in, in, or in a dream and told them, hey, Herod's a bad guy. Don't go back that way. They changed. Because of their, of their encounter, of this pilgrimage with the Christ child, and God deals with them, they change. The greatest evidence of, of your faith is a changed life. It may, be, it may be just a little bit. And maybe nobody else really can see it, but maybe you notice it. Maybe you notice, I don't get quite as angry as I used to. You know, I don't pop off quite as much as I used to. Uh, some of the things that, that, some of the hatred that's been there and some of the resentment, I see it just sort of, I feel it just sort of just beginning to dissipate, maybe just a little bit at a time, but it's beginning to dissipate a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Each, each day or month or year, life, your life changes. And that's what happens when we have this, this encounter with this privilege of being able to, in this pilgrimage of following Christ. It's amazing. Change lives. So there you are, the lessons, the lessons of the Magi, um, things that we could learn from their pilgrimage as we either continue on ours or in some cases begin our own. And may God bless us and help us as we do. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord God, we are, um, gosh, Lord, we're just grateful for your love. What a great time of year. Pray, God, that we would not only enjoy it very much, but capture that spirit for 12 months out of the year. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the, we thank you for the Magi. And, and on this fourth Sunday of Advent, we have a, just such a great example to look at their pilgrimage, learn from that ourselves, and, and here we go. We thank you for that. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.